John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Last week we listened, we listened in on John's plea to his readers as he seemed to pause and give emphasis to what he, was, what he had already written and to what he was about to write. We, we compared his writings to quotes written by famous speeches and came to realize that he was giving a verbal illustration so his listeners could have a greater understanding of the importance of his writings. He reminded his audience of things they already knew, but they needed never to forget. That they were forgiven, that they were seasoned, they were victorious. You have, you have become knowers of God himself through accepting his one and only Son. And that they were strong because of their knowledge of Christ and the Father. We learned that this knowledge alone would give them <clears throat> and us today sustainable joy in our lives. If only we will remember. We'll remember. Tonight we will continue to listen to John as he speaks words of wisdom to his listeners. And that's us again tonight. So let's look at 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 15. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. And John records, he says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Because everything that belongs to the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this word tonight. We thank you for the word. We thank you for John recording this. Now, Lord, we pray that you would be with us and you'd illuminate our minds. Help us, God, to see what this scripture is not only saying to the readers it was written for, but how it applies to us tonight, that we might be greater Christians this week and serve you in the capacity which you created us. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Remembering that our joy teeters on much of what John has written tonight. We need to try and understand what he is saying so that, that we may apply it to our lives. And tonight's lesson, church, listen to me. Tonight's lesson is kind of a hard one in about two or three different ways. It's, it's not an easy lesson. This is a tough one. Now, what does our scripture tell us? Verse 15 can be hard to understand. And when we do understand it, it's a hard pill to swallow for even us as Christians. John starts off by saying, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. So we have to stop and we have to define, okay, what, what is the world and what are the things that are in the world? To, uh, to, to a new believer, this very verse could be very confusing. Honestly, I had to spend a little time breaking it down myself. After all, we're told to love one another and we're in the world, right? Scripture tells us to love one another, but we're, we're in the world. Our children are in the world. Our grandchildren are in the world. And I, I, I just can't see stop loving my grandchildren. Now, my children from time to time, I, you know, I can get that. But not those grandbabies. Now, are we not to love them? Yes. We are to love people who are in the world, just not the world. 
All right, I'm going I'm I'm to confuse you even more. To further confuse you tonight, did, not, did God not create the world? Are, are we to look at all the beauty that God created knowing that he created what, we di- what, 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 he, what he did and, and we, that we may enjoy his creation and see his hand at work? Well, again, yes. I mean, w- w- what John is saying is true. But everything so far we've you know, thrown to, to test this theory, it, it's, it's not holding up. But we must see the world in the lens and scope of what God created. He created the world, the plants, the animals, and all of nature. God has no problem with us having a love for what he created when that love points us back to him and everything our eyes see and hands touch should give us an awe-inspiring experience that helps us to say, how can anyone look at this and not believe in God? I personally, I have always loved trees. Uh, I had to do a, a leaf project when I was in the ninth grade. Some of y'all probably had to do the same thing. We had to use hibiscus paper, very specific paper. And we, we, had, to, we had to identify like 40-something different leaves. And we had to give the, the specific, the scientific name, and then we had to give uh, the, the, the tree name, and we had to write a definition, and then we had to draw a little picture beside the leaf of what the tree actually looked like. I, I, I really got into that. A lot of people didn't do half of it. I, I did more than I, I was supposed to do because I, I loved doing it. But as you look at leaves, church, just, just leaves, how, how different they are. I mean, every single leaf is so different the way it looks, the way it's designed, the, the way it's cut. Now, I mean, everybody has their favorite tree. My favorite tree is a ginkgo tree. Any of y'all ever seen a ginkgo tree? I, I, would, I would, listen, if you've never seen a ginkgo tree, I would, listen, please, Google it and see it. It's a Japanese tree, and the ginkgo root has medicinal purposes. That's not why I like it. The, why, the reason I like it is the leaf is shaped like a fan, like this right here. Uh, when Amy's parents bought their new house, two men owned the house before them, and they had planted a ginkgo tree in the front yard. And ginkgo trees, they, they, it takes them a while to really grow. It's not like a cypress tree. A cypress tree, you can plant it in 15 years from now, it's going to be reaching the top of the ceiling. Or a, a, a cottonwood tree, it's going to be reaching the top of the ceiling. It's going to be breaking up all the, du- the, the, the dirt on the top of your ground. It's going to be causing problems with your lawnmower, isn't it, Bill? I hate those trees. But the ginkgo tree, it, it, was, it was about this tall. And, and I walked into that house because I saw it. I knew it exactly what it was. And I said, Amy, your daddy's got a ginkgo tree in his front yard. She said, oh, really? Because that's her favorite tree too. And I walked in and I said, Randy, that's my dad-in-law. I said, do you know what kind of tree that is? He said, man, that's an ugly tree. He said, I'm getting ready to cut it down. I said, <laughs> no. I said, that tree, he said, that skinny nat. I said, yeah. I said, that tree right there is about $180, if not more. He said, really? Now, he's let that thing grow, and it's, it's pretty big now. The leaves in the fall, they all turn colors at the same time. And it's a bright yellow. And in Japan, they have this, this ginkgo tree that's like, I don't know, 100 or so years old. It's probably, you know, about as old as the ones we have up front in our church. And they call it the, the rain of yellow. 
It's, it's just, it covers the, it's gorgeous, beautiful. That's my favorite tree. But what I love about the leaf, it's, it's shaped like a fan. And where most leaves, you look at the, the veins in a leaf, they're, they're cutting in all different directions, all different directions. On a ginkgo tree, they're all going straight up. Well, Brother Kyle, why, why are you so intrigued by leaves and, and, and trees? God reveals himself through that. The identity of God, I mean, it's so unique. It's so unique that it, it, it has to, as we look at it, we, we have to say, there's a God. This is, I mean, this didn't happen by circumstance. This is God. It's unbelievable. All the other leaves, but you look at this one leaf and it's just like, yep, I'm different. I'm different. And I could sit here and talk about other leaves, but y'all don't want to hear about that. I look at grass the same way. Grass, it's unbelievable to me. I, I, the house that we lived in, uh, the last house we bought, I had it in my mind. All my life, y'all, I wanted a yard with sod. I just did. I wanted a sodded yard until I had a sodded yard. Uh, if we would have lived in that house one more year, I would have sprayed Roundup on every bit of that sod. Killed every, I killed it dead, y'all. I'd have killed it dead. I wouldn't have called the HOA. I'd have burned it. I'd have burned every bit of it. And I was planning on tilling the whole yard. I don't care how much it cost. I don't care how much it paid me. I was going to till the whole yard and I was going to plant fescue. Why? Because sod is nasty. It only stays green for like I, you know, six months, the other six months, it's dead brown. You walk through the grass, you get it all over your feet, it sticks, take it in the house, it's all over the house. I don't like it. Well, Brother Kyle, that, what, what is that, you know, talking, how does it, it's God. You just, just look, look and pay attention of how many different grasses there are. That points towards God. God, God is, is so specific to general areas. He, you know, when, when he was creating the earth, I, I don't know who the interior decorator for the earth was, but, you know, well, you know, South Florida, well, let's, let's put, God, let's put, let's put fescue there. Oh, no, fescue will burn up there. We've got to have a special hybrid type of fescue. It, it, it looks like uh, liriope. I mean, it, it looks like fescue, but it's actually thick like liriope. That's, that's God, y'all. That's God. It really is. We can look at each other as individuals. I mean, you look around. Look, look around. Look around at how different we look. I mean, wouldn't it be horrible if all of us was ugly as Donald is? I mean, that'd be horrible. I mean, girls, really? Really? I mean, it'd be It'd be horrible. This, this is the one that Amy, I mean, it just tears Amy up. Sloths. Y'all ever seen a sloth move? Y'all listen to me. I'm, I am not, I'm not sounding, I'm, this, is not, this is not dirty, but I want y'all to listen to this. I watched a, a documentary on sloths in Central America. And those dudes are just like, I mean, they're like this right here. Y'all, li oh, listen, 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 listen. They were in the rainforest. They were doing a documentary on, on this, this sloth. And they were, you know, he was just, you know, this right here. Nothing in him was going slow. I mean, going fast. Nothing. Didn't bother him at all. I mean, he was just, oh, yeah. 
Then all of a sudden you hear in the distance this, this cry. And I didn't know what the cry was. And the commentator said, he comes on and he says, you have just heard the mating call of the sloth. And that, that sloth did like this right here. He went. He dropped out of that tree and he was swimming in the water like this right here. I'm thinking, that's God. That is God. God, that is God. That's, I mean, that's God. It really is. Now, church, John Phillips says this about verse 15a. Okay, calm down. Verse 15a. In the sense John uses the word here, the world, represents human life and society with God, listen, with God left out. Let me say that again, listen. In the sense John uses the word here, <coughs> the world <coughs> represents human life and society with God left out. Now listen to it again. Listen to what John says. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. Don't love them. So what he's saying here is the world when God is left out. A human life in a society as organized by Satan in whose lap it lies. Abraham, the, the founder of, of the, the Jewish faith, no, long, no sooner escaped the world as represented by Babylon than he fell headlong into the world as represented by Egypt. It was a painful experience. Church, the word world in context here is a system that has been set in place by Satan through man that has been set in place to separate man from God. It is an ideal that man should eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you may die. It is when man longs for and constantly desires man-made cultural situations to satisfy what they should and would call joy or what gives them joy. When we do this, we leave God out. Now, can I tell you an example of how this, uh, this is, uh, has in, in, infected the church? Can, can I just give you one example of here recent? That there was more people who were excited about a football game last week than there were who were excited about what God was doing in his church. Last week, the national championship. I talked about it this morning. I watched it. And John's not saying here this morning, oh, listen, you watch the national championship, you don't love God. That's not what he's saying at all. But if you're, if you're just a superficial reader, that's what you can read. And listen, we've got some legalistic brothers and sisters who, who walk around and they, they, they'll only wear a bun. They'll, they'll, they don't do anything with their hair, no makeup. They wear long dresses and they, they look pious and act very humble because they misinterpret the Scripture. They, they really do. But church, listen to me. There were more people in the world who sat and watched a game for four hours than came to a one-hour worship service last week. Listen to me. And they didn't sleep. They were excited for the whole four hours. Hey, bring me, some, bring me something to eat. I'm not leaving. I, I, I want to go to the bathroom, but I, I don't, I don't want to miss it. Well, this is a commercial. Yeah, but they might come back live. Church, God was left out last week. John then tells us in verse 15 that if anyone loves the world, 
Love for the Father is not in him. Now, we have two prime examples of what this person looks like in Scripture. The prodigal son and Solomon. The prodigal son, he had everything, but he wasn't satisfied. He had everything that he could possibly want. He had servants. He did have to work, but, you know, at the Father's will, but he had everything he needed right there, but he wasn't satisfied. And that's a picture of how we can be. And that's how you lose your joy, by not being satisfied with what you have. And listen, that, that, that gives me even more reason. I'm trying to get this woman to get, get alongside of me. I want to get rid of it all. Everything. The dog, the house. I mean, I wish she lived closer. I'd drive her to work and we'd have one car. We don't need any of it. Amen? Well, we don't need any of it. Honey, I'm not in trouble, am I? Okay, just checking. <clears throat> John then goes into a, a little more precise detail as to how we can indicate if the love of the world is in us as believers. Don't y'all want to know that? Don't y'all want to know? Okay, God, I, I, do I have the love of the world in me? Because I, I, I don't want that. We don't, right? So he gives us some indicators of, of if we do or not. Or if there is danger of that love entangling us in verse 15b and 16. Verse 15b says this, Because everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's lifestyle, is not from the Father, but from the world. Well, what are these indicators? I, I, I'm not sure. Well, here they are. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Now, our mind automatically goes to something sexual here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. But it's not necessarily a sexual thing. It can simply mean satisfying a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. Well, let me say that again. It could simply mean satisfying a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. The lust of the flesh is one of the world's devices for wearing us away from complete trust in, in, the, in the godless, and excuse me, the complete trust in the goodness and faithfulness of God. It wants us to rely on something else, need something else, look for something else. And we don't need to look for anything else. God's good, amen? All the time and all the time, God is good. That's exactly right. We don't need to look any further than God, the Bible. We don't. We really don't. So the first indicator is do we have the lust of flesh in our lives? The second thing he says is the lust of the eyes. Now, it's pretty easy for you know, a, a good Christian to say, well, I don't have the lust of the flesh. I mean, I, I'm good with that. I mean, y'all know I am. Look at my wife. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to do any better. I know. I know. But then we come to the lust of the eyes. Then we're in trouble, especially men, because I, I don't care who you say you are. I, I don't care, man. I, I, I listen. My eyes are for my wife only. Listen, I, I'm, I'm a man, and men are vision driven, and Satan knows that. And if, listen, if Satan doesn't try to attack you through your eyes, hey, you're not worth attacking, right? Scripture says this about our, our eyes. Scripture tells us that our eyes are never full. Proverbs tells us that. Our eyes are never full. And we are to guide, we are to guard our eyes. What that means is when Satan, and it's not if, Griffin, 
It's when Satan puts something in front of your eyes that is appealing to you, and Satan's going to do that. I mean, that's his job. You're not, you're not to lust. I mean, that, we're, here we go. We're all the way back up to the lust of the flesh. You're not to look twice. And even if I said, listen, it's okay to look once because Satan's put it there in front of you. And, and you, you might, there's times when you might have to look to make sure that, you know, that's what you thought you saw. But you better not look a third time. And you better not stare. And you better not let your mind wander. Well, Brother Kyle, what are you talking about? You need to be in control of your eyes. You need to look the other way. When Satan put, did I say if? No, when Satan put something in your, in your path, your eyes that appeals to you, you need to turn the other way. You need to be like Joseph. You need to, you know, you're, you're just walking along. You're minding your own business. And, and here, here it is. You need to turn and run the other way. You do. I'm, tell, well, I'm telling you. You need to guard your eyes. Why? Why do I need to guard my eyes? Because I, I like looking at this. I love looking at beautiful women. But it's going to steal your joy. It's going to steal your joy. Brother Kyle, I'm confused. Well, let me help you. This is who God gave me. This is who God gave me. This is the perfect love that God gave me. If I'm over here looking at somebody else, and my eyes are over here, and they're not over here, What's going to happen over here? Unrealistic expectations, right? Well, boy, you know why? Why didn't Amy dress like that? Why didn't she do this? Why didn't she do? Well, for one thing, you ain't supposed to be looking. God, God created this for you, not that. Right? You got to guard your eyes. Boys, you better guard your eyes. Go ahead and start doing it now. Guard your eyes. Griffin, guard your eyes. Look at it. Jessica looking up at him. That's right. You better, you better guard your eyes, boy. The third thing is this. It says the pride of your lifestyle. Oh, no. Yeah, pride of your lifestyle. John Phillips said pride is the ultimate sin, the original sin, the sin that transformed brilliant Lucifer into the very devil himself. How can we have pride in what we have and what we have achieved when God has given us all that we have and all that we are? I'm guilty of this at times, especially with my children. I, I, I at times have unrealistic expectations, especially with my sons. And men, you, you'll do that. We, we will do that. Uh, I've told my boys time and time again when they've called and said, Dad, you know, can you, can you loan me some money or can you do this? Or they'll call Mom and Mom, listen, can you help me out? And I'll tell them this. Guys, you, you need to learn to fly on your own. I was 22 years old, and I had a wife, a child, and a mortgage payment. It was a house. It was my mortgage payment, nobody else's. You need to, you listen, you need to be responsible. But that was me. That's not them. It was a different world. It is a different world. It's a different society. And, and listen, honestly, and I'm not saying this in a mean way, but I'm saying it in a way that I hope that you'll understand the, the responsibility level of, of kids these days is way different than what it was when we were growing up. It really, was, it really is. Now, y'all can take that as an insult or you can use it as a way to, to you know, help you better yourselves. Nobody gave us anything. You've, you've got to work for it yourself. Brother Kyle, how does that, what does that have to do with the pride of lifestyle? God is going to make you who he wants you to be. 
It's not going to be me. See, that's the problem I had with my sons. I, 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 I put them where I was currently and thought, okay, listen, you, you ought to be here. This is where you ought to be because this is where I was. Well, that's not where God wants them to be right now, I guess. We have to eliminate and understand that we're all individuals, and that goes back to the beauty of how God created us. Amen? It, it's hard at times, but it's the truth. John finishes this portion of the message tonight by giving a contrast between what is passing away and what's permanent. And this one kind of stung me as well because, listen, y'all, I, I, I love the beauty of this earth. I, I love the beauty of, of the oceans. When, when Amy and I go off, you know, I, I know those of you who have gone on cruises before, y'all say, well, I bet the pastor's doing this. I, right now, I bet the pastor's doing this. And, and most of the time, you know what? You're wrong. Because what I love doing the most is this right here. I'll walk right up to the edge of the rail of the ship and I'll just do this right here. I just stand and look at that blue water. That's all I do the majority of the time. I mean, it just hypnotizes me. And, and this is Miss Desi, I'll look for flying fish. I love to see flying fish. It's crazy. And I look for other stuff. I mean, it, that's, that's what I do. So this one kind of stings a little tonight. He, he gives a contrast between what's passing away and what's permanent. He tells us and lets us know, church, the world is passing away. Just as us, you know, today I am one day closer to death or to Christ's return. Y'all know that, right? Today, every single one of us, I don't care how old or how young you are, Abby, you're, how old are you, Abby? You're 15 years old. 15. And you think, oh, man, this, I, I, you're one day closer to death. Now, it's, it's going to hit you a little more when you're my age than it is when you're 15. I was like, 15? Hey, psh, I got 60 years. This world is passing away. Just as we're passing away, this world is passing away. All the glimmer and shine in this world, all, the, all that we hold is beautiful. The depths of the oceans, the vastness of the skies, even the bands that hold the millions of stars in the sky each night will soon be gone. Everything we see is a passing vapor. It's smoke and mirrors. It will not last. Scripture tells us it'll, it's all going to be gone and replaced with something better. Well, what could be better than what we see? I don't know. God knows. But it's all going to be gone. We cannot love something that is not permanent. At least we should not. This world is not, nothing we see in this world is permanent. But then he gives us the other side of that contrast. But the one who, who does God's will, John says, remains forever. The only thing that, that will remain of what we currently see today after a thousand year millennial reign of Christ is believers in Christ. Those who, are, who, who have followed his will. D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody said this years ago. And it points towards this scripture tonight. Christians should live in the world, but not be filled with it. Christians should live in the world, but not be filled with it. A ship lives in the water, but if the water gets into the ship, she goes to the bottom. So Christians may live in the world, but if the world gets into them, they sink. They sink, and how true. All of us know somebody who's let the world get inside of them, and they sink. 
That's what John is telling us tonight. That's how you lose your joy. By letting the world into you. Church, have you figured out what the message is that John's trying to get across to us as readers? Us and his readers tonight? Everything we do should be for the Lord. Our hope and our joy does not come from what, we, what is fading away, but it comes from what will always be. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you asking forgiveness for sin, sins again tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your messenger. Please, Lord, help us to cling to your word that we might not lose our joy, God. It's a sad thing to see a person who's on fire for you who somehow, some way loses their joy because they've let the world seep into their life. Help us, God, tonight, those who are under the sound of my voice, never allow that to happen. Help us to resist the world in all and every way we possibly can. In Jesus' name I do pray. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come and spend some time with the Lord, the altar is open.